Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so we're reading my book, The Besky Kids 2, Bear in the Woods, and we're up to Chapter 24, The Aftermath. Here we go. 200 metres downstream, the Mayor, April, Joe and Wesley all struggled out of the water. Constable Pike drove the police car down to meet them. As soon as the constable established that Mayor Albright was all right, he arrested her and handcuffed her into the back of his squad car with Officer Odinson. He wasn't entirely sure which law Mayor Albright had broken, but he was pretty sure that ordering a council employee to hijack a police vehicle and fire tranquilizer darts at a van full of children was illegal. The cat lady comforted Wesley, who felt much better now that he had a stomach full of honey cake and was back with his mummy. The elderly bear happily squeezed himself into the back of her station wagon so he could be taken home for a nice rest. The cat lady hobbled over to the pesky kids. "'I suppose I owe you lot an apology,' she mumbled. "'What for?' asked April, genuinely confused. "'For making me scrape up muck for hours, for making me clean her gutters, and perhaps, worst of all, for making me get up before 7am,' said Finn. "'You deserve that,' said April. "'You broke her foot.' I did not, yelled Finn. Your dog started it, Pumpkin barked happily. Nah, I meant I'm sorry Wesley scared you, said the cat lady. When he escaped from his stall in the barn, I wasn't too worried. I knew he just wanted to stretch his legs and that he'd find his way back eventually. So you just let a bear wander the woods without informing anyone, asked Finn. Who was I supposed to report it to, asked the cat lady, turning to look at Constable Pike as he talked to the mayor and Officer Odinson in the back seat of his patrol car. Constable Nitwit or Officer Gun Crazy, or perhaps Mayor Incompetent. Fair point, conceded Finn. Besides, it was the broken foot that caused the problem, said the cat lady. It meant I couldn't take Wesley out for his regular exercise, and he got restless. So it is all your fault, said April, prodding Finn. Once Constable Pike had finished talking to the Mayor and Officer Odinson, he came over to check that the pesky kids were all okay. Amazingly, they were. For once, April had not banked her head too hard, but she still glowered at the constable. Aren't you going to apologise too? What for? asked Constable Pike. For not believing me, said April. For telling everyone I was crazy and for making me see a shrink. I prefer the term psychiatrist, said Dr Hillary. She was sitting on the bumper of the patrol car, jotting down notes. The mayor and Officer Odinson were fascinating case studies. I'm not going to apologise to you, Constable Pike told April. Why not, she demanded. Because he knew you were right all along, said Finn. Isn't that right? I don't know what you're talking about, said the constable, fidgeting with his belt and not making eye contact. Really, said Dr Hillary, because a flushed face and nervous twitching are tells commonly associated with lying. You knew there was a bear in the woods and you were part of the cover-up, weren't you, said Finn. Of course, exclaimed Loretta. 
That explains why he wasn't surprised to see the statue of Agnes Dalrymple in the woods. Any decent investigator would have wondered how such a large and heavy statue could have got out there. But you didn't. Perhaps because you helped move it out there, said Finn. It's a big statue. It'd be hard to transport unless you had a minivan. And you've got a lovely big minivan, said Loretta gleefully. Now Constable Pike really was blushing. The mayor ordered me to, he confessed. Daffodil Day is a huge deal for this town. She didn't want word of the bear getting out and scaring off the tourists. But you're an employee of the state police force, said Finn. She's not your boss. Rowena, I mean Mayor Albright, was head girl when I was at school, said Constable Pike. It's hard not to follow her orders. And you had a reason to stay on a good side too, didn't you, said Finn. April gasped. Because Constable Pike is secretly in love with the mayor? Constable Pike looked horrified. No! That's not what I meant, said Finn. I meant Constable Pike had entries in every category for the Daffodil Day competitions. He loves gardening. He would have wanted to stay on the mayor's good side because she guides the great green thumb as he judges each category. I just wanted one of those gold statuettes, admitted Constable Pike. When you're the only police officer in town, it's hard to fit in. People are always worried I'm going to arrest them. I thought if people knew about my love of gardening, it would humanise me a bit. April sniggered, idiotise you more like. And that is the end of the chapter. But it does seem cruel to leave it there because there's only one more short chapter to go. Let's see how short it is. Oh, it's not that short. How nice will I be? Let's be nice. I'll do it now. Okay, so here's the final chapter of the book. Chapter 25, Wesley. Here we go. Two weeks later, the pesky kids were standing on the lawn out the front of the cat lady's house as she and Agnes Dalrymple posed with a shovel. Being an ornery old lady, Agnes had really enjoyed seeing the Daffodil Day celebrations overturned by a cake-crazed bear. So when she heard that the cat lady was going to get in trouble for keeping a bear, as well as a host of other strange animals without the proper permits, Agnes took action. She donated a large sum of money to set up Currawong Zoo, so that Wesley and all of the cat lady's beloved animals could be properly cared for and enjoyed by visitors. It was going to be a wonderful new tourist attraction for the town. It would have made the mayor very happy if she hadn't been stood down from her position while she awaited trial. The photographer from the local newspaper snapped dozens of pictures of the cat lady and Agnes Dalrymple holding a shovel together, symbolically breaking ground on the new zoo. Although really there wouldn't be much actual groundbreaking, the zoo would basically be the cat lady showing people around her barn, or more realistically, the cat lady making Neil show people around her barn. Are you done yet? snapped Agnes. I'm very old and I don't want to die standing here grinning like an idiot. The 23-year-old photographer from the local paper chuckled. Just a couple more, love, he cheerfully called out to the two old ladies. Did he just call me love? Agnes asked the cat lady. Yes, he did, said the cat lady. Do you want to hit him with a shovel or shall I? The photographer laughed again, but then the two ladies started towards him and he realised he'd made a terrible mistake. Run, advised Finn. Run as fast as you can. It'll be in the paper on Monday, called the photographer as he sprinted for his car. Can I come and visit Wesley sometimes, April asked as she petted the big hairy bear. She had grown very fond of him since he proved himself to be real and not a symptom of her going mad. Yes, exclaimed Neil with a smile. It was the most animated thing he'd ever said. 
If you pay your entry fee, snarled the cat lady. Neil's face fell. She helped save Wesley, he pointed out. Could we give her an annual membership? I don't know, grumbled the cat lady. What if she ends up hanging around all the time? She'll get on my nerves. I'll deal with her, said Neil earnestly. You're a good grandson, said the cat lady, patting him on the head. Finn felt pleased that his new friend would now get to spend some time with April, because that was what Neil wanted more than anything in the world. But he also felt sorry for him, because he would now get to spend more time with April, and that was what he wanted more than anything in the world. Joe drove them home. He had started to get driving lessons too. The pesky kids had agreed that this was what they should spend the $1,000 on. They could make do with a homemade computer for now, but someone in their family needed to be able to drive. And it was handy to schedule driving lessons for when they needed to go somewhere. Joe had borrowed that idea from Loretta. Where is Loretta? asked April. I thought she was going to meet us at the ground break-in. That's what she said, said Joe. I can't believe everything worked out so well, said Finn, as they pulled into their own driveway a few minutes later. There really is a bear. The mayor and officer Odinson are going to jail, and Constable Pike is letting us off the rest of our community service. In exchange for our silence about his cover-up, said April grimly. Maybe we can finally settle in and become part of the community now, said Finn. What, with the bunch of weirdos round here, exclaimed April. We're not exactly normal ourselves, Finn pointed out. As if to emphasise the point, Dad came down the front steps to meet them, still wearing his daggy old dressing gown, even though it was two o'clock in the afternoon. Speak for yourself, said April, as she got out and slammed the door. I'm a delight. Suddenly, Loretta burst through the bushes. For the first time since they'd met her, she looked slightly dishevelled. Her hair was mussed, there was mud stain on her jodhpurs, and she was panting. <gasps> You've got to help me, she cried. What's wrong? asked Finn secretly hoping that it was bad enough so that when he solved the problem, Loretta would be impressed. And yet, not too bad, so it was actually something he could easily heroically solve. Preferably something that required shortness so that Joe couldn't heroically solve it first. Just come quick, pleaded Loretta. They're deporting Ingrid! Finn was right to fear another family member coming to Loretta's rescue. But it wasn't Joe. Dad took off sprinting, smashing his way through his own Daphne hedge. The scene that met them on the Viswanathan's driveway was certainly dramatic. There was a Department of Immigration van and two federal police cars parked at angles to block the driveway. Ingrid was being led out of the house in handcuffs by two burly officers. "'What's going on?' demanded Dad. "'Stand back, sir,' said the senior officer. "'This is a Department of Immigration situation. "'If you are a party with a concern in this matter, "'you can phone our hotline for more information.' "'I will not,' declared Dad, striding over to stand next to Ingrid. "'I will not allow you to take this woman "'until I know what you're accusing her of.' "'Sir, it is a simple matter,' said the senior officer. "'She is being deported because she has not got the proper visa.' That can't be right, protested Loretta. Daddy had our lawyers sort out all her paperwork. They cost $800 an hour, so I'm sure there'd be no mistakes. Yes, well, that may well have been the case, said the senior officer, but her visa has been cancelled. They can't do that, protested Loretta. It's our duty to do that when we discover that a visa application was falsified, said the senior officer, and that the applicant, in fact, has an extensive criminal record. Is that true? gasped Loretta, before remembering to speak Swedish. Are that sant? Yeah, said Ingrid. Loretta looked heartbroken. Yagvadum, said Ingrid. Yaglita pa Is she calling us dumb again? asked April. 
No, she's calling herself dumb, said Loretta, for trusting someone called Maynard? The pesky kids glanced at each other. I won't allow it, said Dad. He was shaking, although it was hard to tell whether he was shaking with rage or his almost constant state of fear. Dad, said Joe, putting his hand on his father's shoulder, there's nothing you can do. You don't want to get in trouble with the authorities. Dad turned on Joe. No, a citizen must stand up against tyranny. Dad's actions then immediately contradicted this when he dropped down onto one knee at Ingrid's feet. Oh my gosh, exclaimed Retta. Is he doing what I think he's doing? What? asked Finn, failing to pick up on the iconic body language. Is he going to clean her shoes? asked April. Her brain wasn't processing the situation either. Ingrid, said Dad, will you marry me? She doesn't speak English, you nincompoop, said April. But Ingrid wasn't listening. She was looking into Dad's watery eyes. She smiled a small smile, which is a great show of emotion for a Scandinavian person, then surprised everyone by saying in perfect English, Yes, Harold, I will marry you. Wow, said Joe. She speaks English, said Finn. You know what this means, exclaimed Loretta, grabbing Finn and April in a hug. You're getting a new mum. And that is the end of the chapter, as well as the end of the book, so we'll leave it there. Now, I am going to go on holiday for a bit, which means I will not be able to record new episodes of The Pesky Gears. So for about four episodes, what I'm going to do is I am going to replay some of my favourite episodes from the past, from the archives. So for the next four episodes, they will be replays, probably of Nanny Pig and Stories, maybe some Friday Barns, maybe some Tammy and Mum, we'll see. And then I'm going to go straight into The Pesky Kids 3. So that's what's going to come up over the next couple of weeks. So until next time, goodbye.